Welcome to Connections. I'm Mike Tom with Colleen Hood. Today's guest was forced to suddenly face his mortality and come to terms with what he experienced after being exposed to toxic chemicals while in the military. And unknown to him, author T.S. Dismas developed an autoimmune disease that would kill him. That's right. One night, Dismas suffered sudden heart failure and died for 10 minutes. Yet, in that moment, he had a near-death experience and visited heaven, he says, where he would learn a valuable lesson about himself, his life, his faith, and God will hear his story today. Today's guest is now an author, but he used to be a soldier. His name is T.S. Dismiss. You served in the military, and this eventually led you down a path of having an autoimmune disease. Tell us a little bit about yourself, and tell us about how you got to that point. Sure. I, you know, I joined the military right out of high school. I had always wanted to be a soldier, so that was something that was a pretty easy decision for me. And then uh, when I was in, I was exposed to toxic chemicals, and that exposure caused me to develop an autoimmune disease called sarcoidosis. And sarcoidosis, what it does is it eats away at your organs and leaves scar tissue, making the, the organs inoperable. Um, all of my organs were affected. They did end up going into remission. I, I've been on chemotherapy and had, you know, tons of surgeries and different types of treatments. But, you know, it was successful to get rid of uh, get into remission for the, uh, the other organ. The problem was my heart had already sustained so much damage um, that it never went into remission. T.S. Dismas developed an autoimmune disease that eventually led to something kind of interesting. Something that most people won't believe. You died. Can you tell us a little bit about that? You know, I, I'm one of those people. I, you know, I'm, I'm a psychotherapist, so I, I'm very science-based and I never believed in NDEs before I had one. Um, I always thought there was, you know, the brain releasing some chemicals and the person was retaining some memory as they were dying. I, I didn't think that there was a possibility that people's souls could actually... I, I, I felt like your soul lived on, but I didn't think that you were going to have that happen and I come back and tell us all about it. And, you know, I I, I agree with people when they, when they initially say that. However, having gone through it, I was an experience now. And, you know, that that experience, it, it was really startling to me that I I died and never lost consciousness. I, I knew I had died, and I felt the very moment of my death, and I also felt the exact same moment being in heaven. So it was this very clear line between the, the dying and the, the actually living. And so, you know, I... I was really taken by that because, you know, the hospital room is noisy. I felt like the, the scarecrow and the Wizard of Oz and those monkeys come flying in and they rip everybody apart. And they bring 20 people in your room and your heart's about to stop. And they, they're throwing your legs all over and strapping you down and throwing your arms everywhere. And, you know, so it, it it's very loud and chaotic and confusing. And, and you know you're about to die. And that's when... When you know when it happened shortly after that, I I just I felt like this complete relief. It was silent, and that silence was just beautiful. It, I'm sure some people probably go to heaven and they hear music because that's what they might they might like at that point. I think if I would have heard music at the time, I, it was certainly possible. I I don't feel like it was silence that didn't have any kind of living aspects to it, but it was like a silence that I think was given to me just because of everything I had been through. So I kind of think that some of the, the experience 
minimal differences that way. And I, uh, I, I don't know what it was like when my <clears throat> my heart stopped because of when I left my body. I I felt it going up to that point. Um, you know, I don't know what happened to my body afterwards. You know, when I was out of it, I, I don't. I, I only got to see my body as I was coming back to it. I didn't see it as I was leaving. I didn't float up to the ceiling or anything and get to, get to look back. So I didn't have that opportunity. But I did have the, uh, the wonderful experience of, of dying, as weird as that sounds. But I, I was looking at a crucifix as I was dying, and I was praying to Jesus the whole time. I said, just be here with me. I Please forgive me for everything. I covered all my bases at that point. I knew I was really close, but... There was a strange comfort in that time. You know, I, I I had struggled for about seven hours before I ended up dying. And the whole time I knew this one was different. I was definitely going to die. And and it felt a little bit more calming and relaxing than, than the other heart failures episodes I had up till that point. Before this near-death experience, uh, you had been struggling, actually, with your relationship with, with God. How did that change your faith? You know, my faith, I've always had a, a really strong faith in a way, but not not necessarily so loyal to follow up on it. You know, I could caught up in work and trying to be successful in my career, make more money so I can support my family. You know, I had a lot of things that I was trying to do, and you know, they sound really good. But at the end of it all, when I'm staring at God, I realize, no, that's not really mattered. You know, and... I look at my life and I see how many times that I put something in life ahead of God. It could be watching a TV show. It could be anything. But I chose to do that thing over God, and I did it again and again and again. You know, doing it once or twice in moderation, I don't think God's going to have a problem with you having a life. But I, I think what I did was I, I started to, to only focus on work and started not going to church and not praying as much. So a lot of what happened in your faith was just uh, like becoming lukewarm, just really stale. Was it what you expected? You know, I don't know what I expected. I remember one time as a little kid, I told my grandpa, I said, you know, if they're singing in heaven, they're singing and dancing in heaven, I don't think I really want to go. I don't particularly care for those things. <laughs> and, and, you know, he's like, well, it's not going to be quite like that. It's going to be... People are going to enjoy it. It's the most fun they ever had. And I thought, yeah, yeah, still got singing and dancing. And I wasn't quite sold. <clears throat> but I would have done anything in heaven. It just felt that good. And that's what really surprised me is the, the lasting feeling, that sensation of, of joy and love, it, it didn't diminish over time. It got stronger. And, you know, I, I don't know. I, I wasn't there long enough to be able to say what happens after the, the time that I left. But I certainly wouldn't be surprised if that love just keep growing and growing. Well, earlier we were saying, um, before all this, it was kind of like there was a darkness before your your visit up into heaven yeah. there. What was that part like, and what, uh, what happened during that portion of that? You know, that's what happened initially. So I, I was, like, in this hospital bed, and then next thing you know, I'm in this dark space, and I'm looking out, and it's kind of like outer space it um you know there's a tunnel that i was in but it and one end of the tunnel was this big void and you know i i looked at this void and i i remember saying well this can't be it that this can't be all there is to 
life. You know, you die and this is what happens. I was, you know, almost getting disappointed, but it happened so quickly that I didn't really have time to process that. And immediately I realized, oh, I can see behind me. So, you know, I started realizing that my, my senses had, had evolved and I was able to see in 360 degrees. And so I could see that there was a light behind me. And, you know, of course that light ended up being God. But, you know, I think, I think that that, that initial darkness that you see when you come in, and this is just my own thinking because I'm not a theologian. I, you know, I can't explain this, this stuff scripturally. I can only say what I saw. That's all I can do. But I, uh, I honestly think that even if I had wanted, I, I could have said to, to God, look, I'm not coming to heaven. I want, I want to go elsewhere. And I would have had that opportunity. I don't think he's going to force people into heaven. I think that it was one of those things where you just, you naturally realize, well, this can't be it. There's something more. My, my soul craves something, something bigger than this. And it naturally led me right to what I crave, which is God. How has your near-death experience changed your life overall? Well, you know, I'm not, I'm not angry as much as I used to be. I, I didn't even realize I was, I was angry, but I, I can't, I don't like to watch politics. I, I, it drives me crazy. And, you know, I, I think I look at some of these things and I, and I don't even want to argue with people. I see more value in what people have to say, both sides, that it's starting to cause me to have more empathy for people, to, to realize, you know, people make mistakes. I certainly have. And, you know, I don't want my mistakes held against me, so why should I hold someone else's against them? So I've been really finding that my, my tolerance for forgiveness and empathy have all grown and other bad habits like or characteristics like anger and selfishness have, have started to diminish. Has your family noticed these changes in you as well? Oh, yeah. They, you know, part of it is I'm on medication that makes me really crabby, and it has for, you know, for a number of years now. And they've said, you know, it's a big difference the, the way that I am now. Of course, I'm not, you know, I have to admit, I'm not under all the pain and suffering that I was under. But I, uh, I just feel like a, an overall freeness to me, and I think that's what they're seeing is that I'm not not held by certain things anymore because I know what's going to happen when I die, and I realize I only have a little bit of time compared to what you know most people my age probably have, you know. And I I look at that and I just say, what a beautiful gift this is. So every day I wake up, and I'm I'm happy that I that I did wake up, and then I get another chance to do something to to treat somebody nicely or help somebody or in just any way to serve God. And to me, that's, that's a, a blessing that I just, I don't think I have the right to expect. It just happened that I have had a disease that they were able to bring me back from and God allowed me to. And now you've taken this whole entire experience and you've put it into a book and you're sharing it with others. Uh, what do you hope that readers are going to take away from your book, From Sun Death to Paradise? Mostly, I, I really hope people who... Because we all suffer. Every single one of us does. And some of us in you know, more drastic ways than others. But I hope people look at their suffering much differently and realize that you know, the suffering we have now really is, is insignificant when we get to heaven. God fills that with so much love that, and he just keeps pouring it in. So it's, it, 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 it's almost non, a, a non-issue when you get to heaven. But 
that suffering for some reason it brought me closer to God, and I think that that's that's how things are. I, I feel like I'm usually furthest from God when things are going really well in my life, when I start to think that I'm doing this. You know, it's hard times that I look back on and I see, you know, I've always been closer to God during those hard times. There's something about them that opens up communication with God, you know, because he understands. He loves us. He He doesn't want us to suffer, but sometimes our actions lead us that way, and, you know, it's just a wonderful thing to be able to realize that we have a God who understands what it's like to suffer and who's there with us and honestly never left me, even even up to the moment I died. How can we find out more about your book and keep up with your work? Well, the book is for sale. Um, you know, and then learning more about me, um, Facebook and, and Instagram are, are options. Um, you know, this is, I am using a pseudonym, so that kind of a, a little uh, little issue in finding out you know who the real me is, but I, from what I found, I, I Google search it and I find it every time. So it's really not that difficult to find out who I am. One last question for people out there who are afraid of death or they're struggling with their faith. What advice do you have for them? Well, I would say, you know, I, I wouldn't bank on on the uh, deathbed confession. And if, if you ever have the option and you you didn't believe in God your whole life, I certainly would would take that time to to confess and ask Jesus to be with you. I just think that it's never too late to tell God that you love Him and to to look at it. I just think sometimes we get into life where we start to think you know God really isn't that important, and we can try to find ways to get rid of Him. And we'll tell ourselves anything to do that just to have that freedom. And I think that's the biggest mistake. Keep an open mind, you know, and really look for evidence both ways if, if you if you have doubts. Wow, that is a pretty amazing story, isn't it? <laughs> it definitely is. And remember, if you want to listen to that full conversation, you can always do that by visiting your radio station's website. We'll talk to you again on Connections.